Hey everyone, it's Susan Pierce Thompson. Welcome to the weekly vlog. So, I have a topic today that comes from a Bright Lifers coaching call that I did a little while ago. I've been meaning to shoot this vlog for quite a while now and I'm excited to bring you this topic uh, this week. So it comes from Amy Brislin. Uh, she's a Bright Lifer. She said I could use her name and she said the following. This was a coaching topic that she brought to me. She said essentially, Susan, I've been looking over my past. I've been doing bright line eating for a while now. I'm happy, thin, and free. Um, but I, I break my bright line sometimes and I was, and I always use the tool that you provided, the permission to be human action plan after I break my lines. Um, and if you don't know, that's a tool. It's in the back of the book. It's, we provide it in the boot camp. It's a really helpful tool. Um, it's basically a set of 10 questions that you ask yourself after you've had a break. Um, because in bright line eating, a break isn't just a break. It's a, it's a potential for a breakthrough. If you don't miss the lesson, right? Like seek the lesson is the fourth S in the simply resume system. So, um, you got to seek the lesson after a break. The other S's, if you need to know, are, um, self-love, like self-compassion. Be sure you talk really gently to yourself. The first S is speed, resume quickly. Um, and then there's social support and then seek the lesson. So anyway, she was saying, I, I use the permission to be human action plan so I can seek the lesson. And she said, but here's what I'm noticing, this pattern. My breaks seem to come in two flavors. They, they, they're like two types. On the one hand, it's like the thoughts about food start and then they start to snowball and then they tug on me uh, until it really feels like I need to eat to just sort of clear them away. And she said, that one I can really work with. Like that one is clear. Every time I do the permission to be human action plan, it's really clear that like uh, there's strategies that I can use um, in advance of eating that will remove that issue, right? And the strategies would be things like, I'm just sharing now with you, making a, a bright line eating phone call or praying or meditating, or there's all kinds of things that can, you know, just making sure that you're vigilant with your food thoughts and like your, your mental state, like using mantras, like that's not my food. That's poison to me. That's not a treat. That's poison to me. Um, you know, being really vigilant not to let those food thoughts that land on your shoulder, um, sort of grow into dragons, right? They land as dragonflies. You don't want them to grow into dragons. Okay. That's a new one. I like that one. Uh, I'll keep using that one. They land as dragonflies. Don't pet them, feed them and grow them into dragons with your own attention, right? You've got to shut those thoughts out. So that's how you handle those thoughts. There's tons of tools and strategies you can use to not pick up the bite on that side. On this side, she said, but then I noticed this other kind of break where I picked up the food without a thought, without a thought. And I came to awareness after I was already eating off my plan. And she's like, that one worries me. What do I do about that? And I said, oh, Amy, you have found it. Like, this is the issue. Okay. Now, the most powerful book that I know of on addiction is the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a powerful book. And it was written mostly by Bill Wilson, but by a group of drunks in like, you know, the, the second half of the 1930s was published in 1939, right? This book started to, 
you know, develop out of the experience that Bill Wilson had and Dr. Bob had getting sober in like 1935. Bill got sober in the end of 1934, but anyway. And then the, the book was published in 1939. Bill mostly wrote it. Um, and there's this part where they're talking about step one, which is being powerless over your addiction, right? Powerless and unmanageable. Okay. The powerlessness breaks down into two types. It's like, once I start, I cannot stop. Maybe not always, maybe always. But at least sometimes, often enough to be a problem, once I start, I cannot stop. Not reliably. That's a problem. The other thing is, once I stop, I cannot stay stopped. Okay? The first one is a problem of the body. Like, my body reacts abnormally to, to excess food um, or certain types of food. Um, when I ingest this stuff, it kicks off this phenomenon of craving and, like, wanting more and, like, this slippery slope of, like, all of a sudden, I'm powerless to to until I sort of, like, go all the way through the process of uh, overeating or indulging or binging or whatever it is and then, like experience some kind of reset. Sometimes that once I start, I cannot stop lasts for longer than a meal. It lasts for a day or days or heavens forbid months, years, and I've regained all my weight, right? Once I start, I cannot stop. The other one, once I stop, I cannot stay stopped. That's not a problem of the body. That's a problem of the mind. That's a problem of thinking. And it's, that problem is of two types. It's either your thinking is warped and strangely insane. And we don't mean clinically insane. I don't mean like some diagnosis. I mean like lack of proportion. Look up insanity in the dictionary. One form is like a clinical mental disorder. Another form is like lack of ability to think straight. And what happens is I get this warped thinking where all of a sudden at certain times eating excess food seems like a really good idea to my thinking. Now, if I had accurate perspective of the landscape of my life and what always happens when I pick up that excess food, it would not look like a good idea. It would look like a very bad idea if I had perspective. But I get into these ruts of thinking where it's like, occasionally my mind will just tell me that I'll get away with it or it's an okay idea or it's a worthy occasion and I should break my lines because it's a cruise, it's my husband's birthday, it's whatever, right? Like whatever line of thinking, it's insane. It's, it's, it's got no lack of, uh, it's got a lack of proportion, a lack of ability to think straight, okay? The other type of problem with the mind is what the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous calls the strange mental blank spot, where you pick up without thinking anything. And that's a problem, my friend, because if there's no thought, there's no ability to react to the thought and use some strategy, right? So Amy was like, what do I do about that? And I was like, oh, Amy, let me tell you. That issue is, is like the defining because that, that's where like, do you feel the crux of powerlessness in that? If I pick up without a thought and then that kicks off some horrible cycle of addiction, I'm sunk. Right? So here's the answer. Now the, the answer that the big book proposes is basically not pulling punches here. You need God. Like there's no way out of that. Therefore, you need access to a power that's beyond what you've got because you don't have the power in you. So you need power outside of you, beyond you, bigger than you, right? 
Um, I know we have a lot of atheists, agnostics. We've, we've got even people in Brightline Eating who come to Brightline Eating in particular because the 12-step framing of God doesn't work for them, so they're here instead. So the good news for, is, for anyone who's atheist or agnostic, there's an easy reframe of that that doesn't require any specific belief structure at all. And uh, the analogy that I want to use is the Star Trek metaphor of shields. Shields up, right? Shields up, shields down, shields damaged, okay? So in Star Trek, they're flying this ship through space, right? And they, there's a lot of torpedoes that happen, and there's a lot of alien invasions that happen, um, and phasers that get shot at the shields. And like, you know, Scotty shields up, right? There's like a, a, a force field of some kind around the ship that protects the ship. And then sometimes Scotty will say, shields are damaged, Captain, right? Like, we're missing shields over here. So the shields analogy is really helpful. Basically, what bright line eating does is it creates shields for you, a shield. And what that's shielding from you is the strange mental blank spot and the other type of warped mind, which is the insane thinking that, that tells you that a bite would be a really good idea or a, or that that food is actually a treat, that it's like a benefit to you somehow when you know better, right? Like it's not a benefit in the big context of your life. It's not in your highest interest to eat that food, right? Um, because you know what happens when you eat that food and it's not worth the consequence long term for real, for real. It's not worth the obsessions that follow and then the greasing of the skids of more, obs- more tendency to want exceptions downstream, like creating a brain that's going to hound you for an exception at every freaking event you go to. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Um, but your mind will tell you sometimes that it is worth it. My mind still tells me that too. My mind still tells me that too. Why? Damage shields or maybe even down shields. Like if you haven't really worked the Bright Line Eating program ever, your shields aren't even up. They haven't even been built, right? Um, if you've worked the Bright Line Eating program and you're stressed, your lines have been wobbly, um, what else? You haven't been doing your tools and your disciplines, then your shields are damaged. You go like that for long enough, your shields are down. And that doesn't mean that you're going to eat this moment today necessarily. It just means you're vulnerable to it. You're vulnerable to it. You're vulnerable to the strange mental blank spot. You're vulnerable to the insane thinking of, wow, that's a good idea. I'll eat that food. I'll get away with it. It'll be fine. It's worth it. None of that's actually true, right? Warped thinking or no thinking, okay? Now for Amy and all the people who are concerned about the no thinking, I just want to reassure you that if your shields are up, you're not vulnerable to that. That's what the shields do. Okay, so what are the shields made out of? The shields are made out of the entire system of Bright Line Eating. They're made out of being on a plan, having a plan to follow, having written your food down the night before or that morning, (sighs) having some commitment to the identity of being someone who does Bright Line Eating, who doesn't do that stuff, right? Who doesn't eat that stuff. It's made of community, connection with other people who are doing this. This is one of the biggest ones. If you're not in community, in connection with people who do this, find your community, find your tribe, find your posse, find your running mates, stay in touch with them. 
find a way to remind yourself every day. Am I to check in with yourself? Am I in touch with my tribe, my posse, my running mates? Whether that's in a nightly checklist, which is in the back of my book, we give it to you in the boot camp to download the nightly checklist sheet, or if it's um, just some way, like a sticky note on your bathroom mirror. I don't care. Am I in, tri- in touch with my tribe? Connection is important. You don't do this. You don't do this successfully without connection. Um, in AA, they go to meetings, right? They um, have a sponsor. They make phone calls. In Brightline Eating, we've got online support community, and we've got buddies, and we've got mastermind groups, and we've got coaching calls. That's what we do in Brightline Eating. And we've got running mates. We've got people we text, people we call, okay? Um, so the shields are made up of daily habits also. Automaticity, your morning routine, your evening routine, eating the same things, not not the same foods, the same categories and quantities. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, till it becomes habitual, like brushing your teeth. All of that comprises your shield. And when it's running, it doesn't have to be running at 100% every day. When it's when it's when you're giving it enough juice to keep the shields up, you've built the shields at some point. The boot camp is for building the shield. That's what it's for. 14-day challenge will get you a little bit of the way there. It doesn't get you all the way there. You've got to keep doing it for way longer than that to build shields. So the book, if you follow it, will build the shield, right? So we provide a lot of tools around here for building the shield. Then the question is, are you feeding enough power to the shields on a daily basis so that they're still up? If the shields need 100 watts of power and you're only feeding them 50 watts of power, shields are partially down, they're damaged, you're vulnerable. You get it? So feeding the shields on a daily basis is not as hard, it's not as labor intensive as building them in the first place. But there is a certain amount of maintenance that's required. Maintenance in morning routines, evening routines, writing down your food, you know, all staying in connection with your people. All of that stuff maintains the shield. It's feeding power to the shields, right? You want to pray and meditate in there and really give the God that you believe in the glory for all that? Awesome. That's the 12-step way, right? That's the religious way. That's the person of faith way. It's not required. It's not required. In Bright Line Eating, we give you a secular way, if you want, to build the shields and have them work. And it will protect you from the strange mental blank spot. But the point is that protection from the strange mental blank spot, it doesn't come from you and your old thinking. If you'd have figured that out, if you would have been able to figure that out, you would have not needed bright line eating. You would have done it a long time ago. You never would have ended up in a place of needing bright line eating, right? Ultimately, it doesn't come from you. So there's some amount of surrendering to a system, parts of which might feel incongruent or you know, grumpy producing, grumpifying, like you might not want to do them all the time, right? But keep in mind, that's what it takes to keep the shields powered. Initially, that's what it takes to build the shields. And then there can be things like, you know, devastating events, the suicide of a child, the death of a spouse, the flooding of your entire home and losing all your possessions, right? That can be like a shields down kind of experience, but we have generators around here. The generator is is a lot of support. That's what it looks like. A lot of support and a lot of faith in something, you know, yourself, your higher power, your God, whatever, 
but support and faith and trust. It could be faith and trust in the Bright Line Aiding program. And um, shields don't have to go down through an experience like that. I've watched a lot of people. For me, Alexis and Zoe were born weighing one pound. My shields didn't go down. I didn't eat addictively, not one bite off my plan for years before that, every day during that ordeal and years after that. That was smack in the middle of my eight years of not eating off plan. Alexis and Zoe were born weighing one pound and spent four months in intensive care. Shields didn't go down. You better believe I was on the phone a lot. You better believe I was being very careful about my food. I was working my Bright Line Eating program. Shields did not go down. They don't have to go down. But you better think of it in those terms because you're going to have to up your game to make sure shields don't go down at certain points, right? Okay. I hope that metaphor is helpful, Amy, and everyone who has this question about these two different types of breaks, um, deviations from the Bright Line Eating Food Plan. And um, yeah, here's to keeping shields up for one more day. That's the weekly vlog. I'll see you next week.